I'm Jim Brown, your Bible teacher at Grace and Truth Ministries. I'm teaching to you uh, different subjects on Wednesday and Saturday. Of course, we tape Wednesday at between 2 and 3. We start taping, and then I read all these emails and answer questions for people. And then uh, we teach on Saturday also at the same time. And what I'm doing, I'm not opening the church yet until uh, until something resolves of this coronavirus. Uh, I don't know exactly what to do. I've told, I've said, if you want to come in during these tapings, a uh, few people you're able to come in, but you got to practice this uh, social distancing, staying six feet apart, and wearing your mask while you're in here. And uh, I'm teaching Easter is coming up. Easter by America or by the world's definition is coming up. Easter is not the resurrection of Christ. Easter is a false doctrine. In fact, Easter is found one time in the Bible, and that is in the 12th chapter of Acts. Now, Easter is the same thing in a different culture as Christmas. I've got this picture up here of a little boy dreaming of all that he's going to get for Christmas. The title of this, What's So Bad About Christmas? And he's dreaming of all these toys, the movies and the comics. and the. It's, this is an old picture. It's got that old uh goblin little thing, I forget what you call it, cars and skateboards. And it's got this third world person dreaming of a bowl of rice. That's what's wrong. We're making our kids rotten by giving them gifts. And we say, Jesus, this is your birthday. And we gave each other gifts and got angry and argued and got drunk. That's what most of America's doing. Well, Christmas and Easter... I'm going to go through some Easter with you today, but Christmas, all of these are the same thing. Easter, Halloween, Valentine's, and Mardi Gras. They're all the same thing. Mardi Gras, and that means fat, that's a French word, fat fat Tuesday, fat Tuesday, and that was a seven-day orgy in the ancient world, orgy, and Christmas was a seven-day orgy. In Rome, Mardi Gras among the Franks are the French and all of southern Louisiana has a French flavor to it and it's Roman Catholic. That's where all this comes from. All of this is Roman Catholicism and Halloween was brought into the church by the Catholics 
Easter is the actually the end, the end of Mardi Gras. Easter had nothing to do with Jesus. Why is it that Easter is so much? That was the goddess of spring. Goddess of spring in England, in ancient England. The goddess of spring. And Easter comes from the word Ishtar. Ishtar or Ashtart and we get the word Ashtaroth A-S-T-A-R T-A-S-H Ashtart these are all forms of the same word or Asherah Asherah is the word grove in the Hebrew in the Old Testament, and the grove was the tree goddess. You see, now that really belongs with Christmas, the Christmas, the tree goddess. That was the tree goddess. And I'm going to go into a lot of these different things. And Valentine's was Roman Catholic. It was Saint Valentine. It is the Roman Catholics that calls their ancient people by saints if they've sanctified them and in the, if they canonize them. To canonize means to make someone a saint in the Roman Catholic Church. So that was by Roman Catholics. All of these are unholy days. They're Roman Catholic Holidays. It was against the law to celebrate Christmas 300 years ago in America. I'll be telling you why that is. And it was against the law to celebrate Easter 300 years ago. Anything that had to do with Roman Catholicism, the Puritans outlawed that. Let me read to you the only place that you'll find Easter in the Bible. That's in Acts, the 12th chapter. And Peter was taken uh, and put in jail. And about that time, Herod, verse 1, the king stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. It's James and John were brothers. They were fishermen in northern Galilee. And James had been ahead of the council in Jerusalem in the 15th chapter of Acts. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. Unleavened bread, the feast of unleavened bread starts uh, on the... The Feast of Unleavened Bread starts on Nisan 15. Nisan 15. Nisan 14 is Passover. What they have done, they've taken Passover and moved it back to December and made it look like it's Christ's Mass 
are eating the flesh of Christ. Eating. You say, Jim, isn't there some kind of order to this? Eating flesh. No, it's it's a complete arranged disorder is what it is. Now, let me read to you what it say, where it says Easter. About the time Herod the king vexed, stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church, and he killed James the brother of John with a sword. And because he saw it please the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. Unleavened bread started on the 15th, the day after after Nisan 14, and Nisan was March, April. March, April. You say, why March, April instead of March or April? Because they had 360 days in their calendar. We've got 365, so it didn't exactly match up with our calendar. Then Then he goes on to say, And because he saw it please the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. Unleavened bread lasted for seven days, starting on the 15th, seven days feast, and they called the feast the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to our quanturians, the soldiers, to keep him intending after Easter. That is a terrible translation. After Easter, to bring him forth to the people. The word Easter is Pascha. Pascha is the word Passover. Everywhere you find it in the Bible till after. When you got the Feast of Unleavened Bread there, it has to be Passover. Pascha is the word Passover. In fact, if you look over here in Matthew, the 26th chapter, Matthew 26. Let me just match this up for you. Matthew 26. Matthew 26 and verse 2. You know that after two days was the feast of Pascha, is what it says. Same word as Easter. And then in verse 17, the last sentence of the verse, wherewith thou that we should prepare for thee to eat the Pascha. Same word as Easter. And then in verse 18, the last sentence, I will keep the Pascha, Passover at thy house. And then in verse verse 19, the last phrase, and they made ready the Pascha, not Easter. I can't believe they did that. Why, you say, Jim, why would they do that? Half of the translators were Roman Catholic, and they were wanting to get their tree goddess in here in this and that's what she was. Was that's what Easter was? Easter was a fertility goddess. Fertility. Doesn't it occur to anybody? Has it not occurred to anybody what the word Easter means? Has nobody ever asked a question about that? It's Ishtar. It's also a form of the Ashtaroth. 
Ashtaroth was a generic, generic title for all the tree deities. Now, I'm going to read to you. You've got the only time Easter's mentioned is in Acts 12. How do you know that? Take your concordance and look up Easter. Take your concordance and look up Passover and then look up the definition of both of them. They're the same thing, Pascha. I don't know why people will don't realize that there's a lot of mistakes in the King James Bible, not in the original Greek text. There was no English 2,000 years ago during Jesus' day. They were all speaking a form of the common street language, the Greek. Everybody. Now, I did a paper on Easter. I'm going to go through some of this and read a lot of it to you. This is one of the most informative papers I've done on these pagan holidays. It has nothing to do with Jesus. What is Easter? It is the resurrection of the fertility god or goddess after the day of the carnival Mardi Gras. Where did it originate? Easter was the name of the virgin goddess of spring. New life was said to begin at the time in the ancient world. This was a time when trees began to bud, flowers bloomed after a long and severe winter. The hope of ancient pagans was that they would survive a cold and hard winter and that the gods would bless them as they resurrected nature's crops in the spring. And all of the gods that Israel went after were fertility gods. Let me go ahead and say this. Let me erase this. All of the gods. This is where Easter and Christmas and Halloween all comes from. It comes from the ancient world. While Israel was a nation under kings, and the books of the kings, this is what... Israel called the book of the kings was from 1 Samuel through 2 Chronicles. This is all the time that Israel was a kingdom in in the world under kings, starting with their first man king, Saul. God was their first king, but they kept crying out, give us a king. Saul was their first king, and then the kingdom splits under under Solomon, actually splits under son Rehoboam, but it was because of Solomon's sin into northern Israel and southern Judah, or southern Israel. And they split, and they're, and they're carried all over the world because of this, this fire and tree worship, which was Baal in the grove, or sun and tree worship. Fire and and tree worship. And the tree upon the earth was represented by the moon. She was the moon goddess. And the fire god was Baal, or the sun god. It was called the sun god. He was represented by fire, and his name was Baal. People want to know what is what was Baal that they worshipped. If you go into McClinic and Strong, you look up Hercules, it will tell you Hercules was the Tyrian Baal. 
It was the Bell of Tyre. How did that happen? Well, it was during the time of Ahab. Ahab brought in the gods of Jezebel's father. Jezebel's father, and that he was the prince of Tyre, right above Israel. If this is Israel down here, Tyre and Sidon is the same thing that we call Lebanon. Lebanon. And then God splits the kingdom because of Ahab's sin. Well, it was after Ahab he splits the nation and he carries them away into captivity. The Assyrians carry away northern Israel. What really amazes me, everybody is in America knows something about the bondage of Israel. They see one of the movies about the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston and bondage. They know about the bondage for 400 years, but they don't know that when Israel was carried away captive because of the sin of Ahab and it married down into southern Judah through his daughter Athaliah, that God carried Israel away into captivity. That all prophecy is about is about the fact that Israel became involved in sun and tree worship, and that's the same thing as Christmas, Easter, and all these pagan holidays I was telling you about. Now. Let me read some of this letter that I did. This is a newsletter on Easter. New life began to bud out. A thousand years before the birth of Jesus, the gods, this is a letter that I constructed, the gods of nature resurrected at this time of the year. This goddess, Easter, had many names in the different cultural societies. Her name was called Ostera, in Germany, or Oster. And that is just a form of Ishtar, Ishtar or Easter. In fact, there are appliances that are made in Germany that are called Oster appliances. You can get Oster mixers. It actually means Eastern. It means God of the East. Ishtar, Estera, the goddess of the east of the Saxons, Ostern, in Germany, Ashtart of the Syrians, which was the Greek form of Asherah, the grove of the Hebrews, and Ashtoreth, the female deities of the Mediterranean, including Venus, Aphrodite, Diana, Ceres, Sybil, Isis, Mileta, the female Mediatrix, called the Queen of Heaven. And then, of course, who is unfamiliar with the Queen of Heaven of Roman Catholicism? That's the Mary of the Queen of Heaven. These female deities were all forms of the tree goddess of Jeremiah 10. Let's look at Jeremiah 10. Also of Isaiah 44 and Jeremiah 44. Well, let's look at Jeremiah 10. Here is the tree goddess that is worshipped. And the reason God scattered them is that's the reason for the 70 weeks of Daniel. 70 weeks of Daniel, as the Bible speaks of it in Daniel 9, 9, 24 through 27. 9, 24 through 27. 
The whole idea of the 70 weeks of Daniel is to cause Israel to repent. And by the end of time, the 70th week is going to come about. We'll be at the end of time in the 70th week. That's the last seven years of time. And we call that, some people call that the Great Tribulation. Only half of it will be tribulation, three and a half years. And then there will be three and a half years of persecution of God's people. Now, here's probably, this is a description of the Christmas tree. Hear ye the word which the Lord speaketh. This is verse 1. Unto you, O house of Israel, thus saith the Lord, learn not the way of the heathen. Now, some people will say, we think it's okay as long as uh, we do it in the name of Jesus. God says, I don't want you to learn the way. The word way is the word direct. We get our word direction out of that. And the New Testament word that it translates into is the word hodos. Hodos is the narrow way. It's narrow. It's a narrow way. Narrow is the word thalibo. It means to squeeze through a narrow opening. Narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. Narrow is the hodos that leads to eternal life. And only a few will find this narrow way. Because wide is the gate and broad is the hodos. Wide is the gate. Broad is the way, I keep saying. The reason you call all these streets in the big cities Broadway, we've got one in Nashville. Down here on Broadway, you got, uh, you got pimps and harlot and prostitutes and bars that hang out on the street. You got all kinds of crime and corruption on Broadway. They got a Broadway in New York where they have total corruption. They got a Broadway in Denver, Colorado. I live there. It's right downtown. The way it's broad, you can live the way you want to. So we're talking about how all this came into Israel. Well, let's look at some of the things about it. Look here. Let's back over to Jeremiah, excuse me, Isaiah 44. This is the tree goddess, Isaiah, the 44th chapter, and we'll see Israel serving this tree goddess, Isaiah 44, and start in verse 8. Fear ye not, neither be afraid. Have not I told thee from that time I have declared it? Ye are even my witnesses. Is there a God beside me? Yea, there is no God. I know not any. Now, Kenneth Copeland preaches that we are little gods. The Bible says there's only one God, that's Jehovah God. They make a graven image. It tells you how they make the graven image. Are all of them vanity and their delectable things shall not profit? They are their own witnesses against themselves. They see not nor know that they may be ashamed. Who hath formed a God? Who made a God? Or molten graven image that is profitable for nothing? Behold, that's not talking about 
just literal images. It can be, remember the word idolatry, idololatria, E-I-D-O-L-O-L-A-T-R-E-I-A. Idolatry comes from ido, meaning to see, and latrua, meaning to serve. Whatever you serve, whatever you serve, you serve what you put into your eyes and ears. And the Bible says that's idolatry. Covetousness is idolatry. Covetousness means to want more. Pleonectes is the word, and it means to want more any way you can get it by being devious, underhanded, plotting against people. Want more. That's all it means. And that will be your idol. If it's a car or a house or a woman or a man, then you're an idol worshiper. Then he goes on to say, Behold, he says, these images are nothing. They're all made of dirt. Everything you see is made of dirt. You're dirt. I'm dirt. Your house is dirt. Your car is dirt. You put, get, you put gas into it and oil in it that comes out of the ground. It's dirt. Behold, all of his fellows shall be ashamed, verse 11. And the workmen, they are of men, lest all be gathered together. Let them stand up. Yet they shall fear and they shall be ashamed together. Now this is talking about making a God out of a tree. Look at verse 12. The smith with the tongs work, both worketh in coals. He goes into the, the smithy, goes into a forge and he's got tongs and he's got coals and he's going to make a God. And fashion it with, with hammers. He hammers just like you see a guy on a movie and he's a blacksmith working in the forge, uh, shoeing horses. Same thing. Worketh it with the strength of his arms, yea, he is hungry and his strength faileth. He drinketh no water and is faint. The carpenter stretcheth out his rule. They're going to measure it out now and build this God. He marketh it out with a line. He fitteth it with planes. He marketh it out with a compass and maketh it after the figure of a man. According to the beauty of a man, that it may remain in the house. They kept their gods in their houses. In fact, I saw a special here a few years ago about people in India. They have a tree goddess And they take it inside their house. Sometimes they get a special apartment for their tree goddess. And they just set the tree in there. And it, I guess it sweeps the floor and washes its clothes. I don't know. He heweth down cedars and taketh the cypress and the oak. Well, that's that's interesting. The word oak is the word alon. Alan is a form of A-L-L-A-H, Allah. And Allah goes back that far. In fact, when Muhammad uh, started Islam, and he all he did was pull all of these tree goddesses into one god and called it Allah, or one L. 
A-L-A-H, but it comes from the word oak. And Allah was said to be a tree. They brought all the gods and goddesses, made it into one god. He was more or less the Islam Constantine. That's what Constantine did in 325 A.D. when he brought all the gods, the tree, the sun and tree gods, into Israel, uh, in, into Rome, excuse me, when he brought all those into Rome, no signal. Can anybody start this for me? Anybody know how to do that? You know how to do that, Mike? I don't know what happened. Okay, I'm gonna, here we go. Only these two buttons. Only yeah, that's what I thought I punched. All right. Let me go in here. Israel, let me put this up here. Now, so he brought all of it into Israel. And when Constantine, when he started Christmas, he brought all the gods of the Ostagos, the Visigoths, the Huns, the Vandals, the Gauls, these people were hordes rampaging across the continents. The Roman Empire and the Babylonians and the Assyrians only ruled on the on the Mediterranean Sea. That's why the beast comes up out of the sea. It's the it's the Babylonian lion, the Persian bear, the Grecian leopard, and the beast with iron teeth that devours the others. Now. Now, let me get back to this chapter here. The smith, which uh, the carpenter stretches forth his rule. He marketh it out with a line. He's just simply measuring off what he wants to measure off to make his God. He fitteth it with planes. You have a plane, you plane of wood with. He marketh it out with a compass. A compass is like... You know, it's got a point on it, and it's got a pen, pencil on the other end of it, and you mark something off. And he marketh it off with a compass, and maketh it after the figure of a man, according to the beauty of a man, that he may it may remain, remain in his house. So this is evidently a sun god. Then he goes into the tree goddess after this. He heweth him down cedars, and taketh the cypress and the oak, the Alan, which is which he strengtheneth for himself among the trees of the forest, he planteth an ash tree, and the rain doth nourish it. Then shall it be for a man to burn, for him to take thereof, and to warm himself. He'll take this ash tree and warm himself. Yea, he kindleth it, and baketh bread with the ash tree, he puts it in his oven, bakes him some bread. Yea, he maketh a god and worshipeth it. That's what Israel was doing. He maketh it a graven image and falleth down thereto. He burneth part thereof in the fire. With part thereof he eateth flesh. He roasteth roast and is satisfied. Yea, he warmeth himself and saith, Aha, I am warm. I have seen the fire. 
And then he goes on talking about these other things. Then let's go over here. We're talking about the tree God that they served. Look here in Jeremiah 44. Jeremiah 44. Sometimes I mean to read all this to you. Jeremiah, the Lord keeps telling Jeremiah, you tell the people to get away from those gods. If they don't, I have sent the sword, the famine, the pestilence. And Jeremiah was the last prophet to prophesy to Israel while they were a kingdom. He was the last prophet. And he prophesied against Israel for 40 years. He prophesied from approximately 626 B.C. to 586 B.C. when God destroyed southern Judah. Jeremiah was walking through the streets and telling the people, Stop worshiping Baal in the grove. But they weren't just worshiping Baal in the grove. They were worshiping all the gods of Egypt all the gods of Syria, all the gods of Ammon and and Moab, which were right next door to Israel, they were worshiping the gods of Tyre and Sidon. So they were being polluted with... And Egypt had thousands of gods, and they adapted all of them. They said, we don't like doing what God says, taking off every seven years. The big reason... They didn't like keeping God's laws was the sabbatical years. They didn't like. This is really amazing. They didn't care what God said. God says every seven years, you've got to let the land lie fallow. That means... You don't plow it, you don't plant it, you don't do nothing in the seventh year. Nothing. Why? Well, you'll find that in Leviticus, the 25th chapter. Because God has an ecological system. System. We have an ecological system in America. If some farmer is out in the Midwest in Kansas, Nebraska or Kansas, that's what we call the breadbasket of America because most of our food, most of our breads, our grains, and our so forth are grown out there in Kansas or Nebraska or Iowa. I used to travel out there. You could see... I used to travel in Kansas and in, in Iowa, and one of the amazing things you could see out there, you could be driving along, and you could see sunflowers. I mean, I don't mean like you see here. I mean, they were this tall, and they had they had flowers on them that big. I mean, and you could see thousands of acres of them. They were growing sunflower seeds. And you could see that for thousands of acres. And so that's where they grow most of the stuff that we eat. But they have to learn. They cannot plant every 
every field every year. I don't know how they do that, but they have to call a farm agent out to test the soil. I know something about testing soil because I sold real estate for 17, 18 years. And if you're selling a house that you've got to put a septic in or there's a septic tank there, you've got to, what you call, get a clear health letter. You've got to call the environmentalist up in Gallatin to come out and to test that soil. They'll take some of the soil back to the lab and test it and see if that if those septic systems are working and if it will if it will soak up in the in the soil if it's too rocky it won't and you can't sell a house without one that's got to have a septic system so but what they would do they'd call a farm agent out he'd tell them he'd test the soil and then he'd tell them what kind of fertilizer they had need to put in there well god had his way of doing that his way was every seven years leave the land alone. That's when I'll fill up your storehouses. I'll fill up your store. I'll fill up your your basket. When you go out to gather, you'll gather. You'll gather. It'll be full, and your storehouse will be full, and your fields will be full of healthy. But all that depended on you obeying me. If you didn't obey me, I will send the sword, the famine, the pestilence, and I'll send the beast. I said that all the time because all the time they were a nation, they never kept their sabbatical years. They had 490 of those years, 70 sets of the sabbatical years they never kept. Now, there were some good kings in Israel, probably Hezekiah kept them, David kept them, and uh, maybe a few others kept him. Josiah kept him. And maybe Asa, maybe Jehoshaphat, he believed in the laws of God. But they had 470 years. They never kept those sabbatical years. So they wanted to go after these other fertility gods. Fertility gods, that they would tell you that they gave them their crops. You can look at Hosea, the second chapter. And the Bible says that Israel went after her lovers, that she was committing adultery. And the adultery was with other gods. Adultery. And these were her lovers. And Israel was giving Baal and the grove credit for their for their corn their wheat, their oil. And God says, you can't give... They And the reason they went after these idol gods is because they didn't require Israel to leave the land alone every seven years. Well, they couldn't reap. And you can find that in the 23rd chapter of Exodus where God would say, when you go out there to... Gather your figs. Don't take everything on the tree. Just take what's ripe on the tree and leave the rest for the poor and the needy. Now, look here in Jeremiah. I'm trying to show you the gods that they went after. In Jeremiah, 44th chapter, 
in verse 15. This will show you the God they're going after. They're in Jeremiah, the 15th chapter. Here's the God they're going after. In the 44th chapter, here is their God. They're going after Queen of Heaven. Who is unfamiliar with the Roman Catholic Queen of Heaven? The Queen of Heaven is the Roman Catholic Mary, but it's not the Mary of the Bible. And they call her Queen of Heaven, and she's the Father of God because she was the father she was the mother of god and they call her that because she was the mother of jesus she wasn't the mother of god she was the mother of that physical body and here's a book on catholicism it's got a picture of her as the queen of heaven in it this is a roman catholic book if i can find it here should be able to I've got a picture of her, Queen of Heaven. Here she is. This is Roman Catholic book. Mary, Queen of Heaven, and she is being immaculately assumed into heaven. And the angels are around her. She's been taken into heaven without dying like Jesus. That's not the way, that's not true. Because they say that Mary was immaculately conceived immaculately conceived now the immaculate conception is not about the conception of Jesus it is about the conception of Mary that she was conceived without sin and that she never sinned. Never sinned. When did the Catholics find that out? They didn't find that out till around 1856. They didn't find out that she didn't have any sin till 1856. That's insane. And she was assumed into heaven without dying. That's why that Roman Catholic picture shows that. She didn't die. She was just assumed into heaven by Jesus. It's not true. And they said that she had no sin. Well, being immaculately conceived, they said she was immaculately assumed to assume means to gravitate into heaven without dying. Well, if she was immaculately consumed, that's because she had no sin. But she herself said when she met met her cousin, uh, Elizabeth, who had John in her womb at the same time Jesus was in Mary's womb, Mary said, My soul doth rejoice in God my Savior. She said, I need a Savior. Therefore, she was a sinner like the rest of us. 
And that, when did they find out that she was immaculately assumed into heaven? They found out about the immaculate conception in 1856. They found out about her immaculate assumption in 1950. I was 11 years old in 1950, and they didn't know that Mary was immaculately assumed into heaven till I was 11. That's insane. Now, let's read about this tree goddess, or this queen of heaven that they're worshiping. Mylita was one of the goddesses of the ancient world. Mylita was called queen of heaven. Mylita. Malita means female mediator. Or the way they would write that was mediatrix, M-E-D-I-A-T-R-I-X. That means a female mediator. How many mediators are there? There is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And Malita was called the Mediatrix. Why was that? That's because among paganism, among all these gods and goddesses, they would pray to Malita or Venus or Ceres or Sybil or Venus or any of these others, uh, any of the other female deities. They would pray to them to assuage or to divert the wrath of their son. Well, it's not... So when the Roman Catholics brought that, brought the worship of these gods into the church, what they did, they brought Mary in as the Queen of Heaven and said you have to pray to Mary in order to get her to divert the wrath of Jesus. Jesus is not the one that has the wrath. The Father has the wrath. And she can't divert anything. So when they bring it into the Catholic Church, they make her the mediatrix, Mary. So that's why the Catholics pray to her. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us and enter sinners now in the hour of our death. It, it, it just, it's insane. And what gets me is all of the Baptists and the Pentecostals and the Charismatics and the Presbyterians have all adopted all of this heathenism, this Christ Mass, which is Roman Catholicism, this Ishtar, which is Roman Catholic, this Valentine, that's Roman Catholic. Let me read this chapter here. In verse 15, Then all the men which knew that their wives had burned incense unto other gods, we're talking about Israel. We're not talking about pagans. This is Israel. And all the women that stood by, a great multitude, even all the people that dwelt in the land of Egypt and Pathros, answered Jeremiah saying, Jeremiah saying, Don't do this. And they say to Jeremiah, As for the word that thou hast spoken unto us in the name of the Lord, we will not hearken to you. We're not going to listen to a word you say, Jeremiah. Boy, that is, 
These people were contrary and mean. But we're talking about Israelites. We're not talking about pagans. But we will certainly do whatsoever thing goeth forth out of our mouth. You've got to learn to read the Bible with the expression that it's in. Like they're saying to Jeremiah. Let me read that again. We will certainly do whatsoever thing goeth forth out of our mouth to burn incense to the queen of heaven. We don't care what you say. And to pour out drake offerings unto her. You've got to read it like it's spoken. As we have done, we and our fathers, our kings and our princes. Oh, they're right. Their kings and their princes have in the cities of Judah, in the streets of Jerusalem. For then we had plenty of food. (laughs) That's not true. They're giving credit to the queen of heaven for their food. When God says, I'm the one that will give you food. I'll fill up your storehouse. But if you go after these other gods, I'll empty your storehouse. I'll empty your baskets. I'll empty your store. But since we left off to burn incense to the queen of heaven. This is 600 years before Jesus or Mary is born. They're worshiping the queen of heaven. Offerings unto her you have worn wanted all things and have been consumed by the sword and by the famine. God says, I have dealt with you. And when we burned incense to the queen of heaven and poured out drink offerings unto her, we did make cakes to worship her. Cakes is the word kavan. K-A-V-A-A-N. Kavan means sacrificial wafers. These sacrificial wafers that they pass around in some church, it's just an imitation of the wafers that they offered to the Queen of Heaven in the Old Testament. And pour our drink offerings unto her without our men. Then Jeremiah said unto all the people, and to the men, and to the women. When Jeremiah talks, he says it with authority. And to all the people who had given him that answer, those that had answered him say, we're going to do what we want to do, Jeremiah. We don't care what you're saying. The incense that you burned in the cities of Judah, not in some pagan city, in Judah, in Jerusalem, in the temple, and in the streets of Jerusalem, ye and your fathers and your kings and your princes and the people of the land did not the Lord remember them and came it not into his mind. He didn't tell you to do this. So that the Lord could no longer bear because of the evil of your doings, Israel. They've been scattered all over the earth because of this for 2,600 years. They hadn't become a nation until May 14th, 1948. And because of the abominations which you have committed, therefore is your land a desolation. I told you I'd make it desolate, God says. And an astonishment and a curse 
and without inhabitants as at this day. He had already carried away northern Israel in 722 B.C., and this is just before he carries away southern Judah in 586 B.C. This is somewhere in the neighborhood of 600 B.C. They've only got another 15 years or so to live in Israel for they're carried off and slaughtered and butchered. Because you have burned incense and because you have sinned against the Lord. The reason people can't read the Old Testament, they don't know that God is talking to his people when he condemns them. And you have sinned against the Lord and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord nor walked in his loss, nor his statutes. That takes you back to Deuteronomy 28, where he says, if you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments, I'll fill up your store and your storehouses and your and your baskets and your wombs will be full of healthy children. If not, I'll kill them all. I'll kill you and I'll carry you into captivity. Nor his testimonies, therefore this evil is happened unto you. Well, that needs to be in bright lights. Boo, boo, boo. Therefore this evil is happened unto you as it is this day. Moreover, Jeremiah said unto the people, but when it says Jeremiah said, put a little expression in it. Jeremiah said to the people and to all the women, Hear the word of the Lord, all Judah. He's prophesying to Judah because northern Israel has already been carried away. Judah's the two southern tribes, southern Israel. Hear the word of the Lord, Judah, that are in the land of Egypt. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, saying, Ye and your wives have both spoken with your mouths and fulfilled with your hands, saying, we will surely perform our vows that we have vowed to burn incense to the queen of heaven. We'll do what we want, Jeremiah. You can't tell us what to do. He was walking through the streets and they wanted to finally, later on in this same book, because he's preaching so hard to them, they say, they go to King Zedekiah and say, can we kill him? He's bugging the fire out of us. We want to kill him. And silly pansy Zedekiah the king says, you can hang him in the mire over here. The mire was said to be by most of the writers their septic systems. It was their cisterns where they would gather water, but they used some of them as dungeons and they put put their feces and their their urine in there, and I and Jeremiah was hanging in the mire. Because now that's the beginning of Christianity. I got a picture of Jeremiah hanging in the mire on that back wall, that was painted by a fellow over in Chattanooga for us, and then he he died. We will offer incense to the Queen of Heaven to pour out drink offerings unto her, and you will surely accomplish your vows. And surely perform it. Therefore hear the word of the Lord all Judah. That dwell in the land of Egypt. Behold I have sworn by my name. He kept telling Israel. Don't flee to Egypt to get away from the judgment of God. God will have one of Nebuchadnezzar's soldiers. Chase you into Egypt. And have you kill. Have him kill you. 
And you won't even know why, and perhaps he won't even know why. Saith the Lord that my name shall be no more be named in the mouth of any man of Judah in all the land of Egypt, saying, The Lord God liveth. Verse 27, Behold, I will watch over all of Israel for evil. I'm going to bring evil on them, and not for good. And all the men of Judah that are in the land of Egypt shall be consumed by the sword and by the famine until be there no end of them. And you find in the 39th, 38th and 39th and 40th chapter of this same book, you find Nebuchadnezzar coming in and slaughtering Israel and carrying them away. Because they went, you guys that say it's okay to do Easter or Christmas, you got rocks in your head. It's not okay. It's what God destroyed Israel for. Preachers call themselves godly preachers. Now, let me get back to this letter on Easter. All right. It all goes back to Babylon, the mother of harlots, in Revelation 17 and 5. This system began at Babel in Genesis 11 and 4, when they said, let us build us a city and a tower, and let us make us a name. That'll be our doctrine. Let us make us a Shem. Shem was God's prophet. He was the second born of Noah. They said, we don't like him telling us uh, what to do, so we'll make up our own name. And that's where the that's where the false virgin birth came from. False virgin birth came from out of Babylon when they that was Babylon started when they said let us make us a name and Babylon mothered all idolatry on that concept and they had a virgin mother a virgin born son and every one of those gods sun gods were said to be virgin born then they had a virgin born uh, they had a mother of the gods in all the ancient world let me continue reading it was the deification of Semiramis, the mother, sometimes she was called sister, wife of Nimrod, the man who built Babylon. The male deities were the mythological incarnation of Nimrod as the virgin-born sons, Tammuz. Tammuz was the god of Easter. Tammuz, Mithra, whose birthday was December the 25th. Tammuz. Tammuz was a fish god of the ancient world, and he was the sun god of the ancient world. They would put many different identifications on these gods. So this, I mentioned Tammuz and Mithra. Tammuz goes with Easter and Mithra goes with Christmas. Mithra and Tammuz. Mithra's birthday, it will tell you if you look up Mithra in the M volume on McClinic and Strong, the most famous birthday among the Romans in the ancient world was the birthday of Mithra. 
birthday of Mithra and his birthday was December the 25th. That's why when Constantine brought that into the brought that into the church, that was also the feast of Saturn. Feast of Saturn. Why was Mithra's birthday December the 25th? Well, because he was the chief sun god of Rome. And let me go back over here to one of these. Let me see here if I can find this. Here it is. This is why his birthday was December the 25th. That's because of this this fall equinox, the winter solstice, the summer solstice. Let me put this on the board one more time. Now the summer solstice, summer solstice, is June the 21st. And then that's the longest days of the year. Longest days. The sun comes up early here in Middle Tennessee and sets late. It sets around 8.45 in the middle of summer, June 21st. It comes up early in the morning, about 5.30 is sunrise. As the sun is on its axis, it looks like the sun is getting smaller according to this picture here. It's not getting smaller. This has to do with the earth being on its axis like this. The earth is going round and round the sun, round the sun. And you've got, when you've got, when you've got summer in the southern hemisphere, you got winter in the northern hemisphere. And we're further away from the sun. And as the sun is going through its ecliptic path, it's an eclipsis is what it is. As the earth is going through that, this is what they founded and built all of their sun and tree worship on was actually the tilt of the earth axis. It was all built on this. In the in the summer, in the summer, that's when the Earth is tilted towards the sun, and in the northern hemisphere, and this up here, and therefore that would be like June the twenty-first. As it goes around, it looks like it looks like the sun is getting smaller, but it's not. What it is, it's the tilt of the earth axis. So I've expressed it this way to look like the sun is getting smaller. It's not getting smaller. It's where it is going around the sun. And then you've got the, you've got the fall equinox. Equinox comes from equal and nox meaning night. It means equal night. That means there's 12 hours in the day and 12 hours in the night. That's on September the 21st. 
And then you've got the sun where it's, it looks like it's burning out from the people on the earth, or they thought it was either burning out or was moving away from the earth. So they had a party at that time of the year, and they called that the Feast of Saturn. Saturn, or the Saturnalia. Why Saturn? Why Saturn? Because Saturn was the father of the gods in Rome. Now, this was in Rome. Saturn was the father of the gods in Rome. And since Saturn was the father of the gods, they thought that Mithra was the sun god. He was moving away from the earth or he was burning out. So they said, we've got to have a festival and appeal to Saturn the father of the gods to get his son Mithra to come back to earth. They thought the sun was moving away. That was Mithra. So what they did, they appointed at this winter solstice, December the 21st. Notice all these are on the 21st, just 30 days apart. Uh, excuse me, 90 days apart. And the winter solstice is the longest nights of the year. So that's that's when they said the sun's burning out. Well, the next day after the winter solstice, the sun began to... It was waning up to that point. Now it begins to wax brighter. Wax means to grow brighter. So it begins to grow brighter. The next day after the winter solstice, the sun begins its move towards the vernal equinox vernal equinox or what we would call what we would call the spring equinox and that's on March 21st so when March gets here April is a time of everything to start blooming April blooms come out so when you get into April the promises of God about his covenant are going to be at a time when the crops begin to come out. See, what they were worried about is they didn't know what they were going to do in this real cold winter. How are we going to have crops? So when they forsook God, God began to bring the famine upon them. Well, they had this feast of Saturn. This was at Rome. And when the crops began to die, each one of the, each one of the cultures had a different way of celebrating their sun god and their tree goddess. The Celts, they would have their Celts go back into the ancient world long before Christ. We think of the Celts as being the English people. The English people. And they had Celts where they had all these Celtic uh, rituals that they did. And the Celts celebrated their sun god when they got to the got to the 
the winter equinox, winter or the fall equinox. The reason being, the reason being is because at the fall equinox, that was the end of the harvest. Keep noticing, the harvest has to do with food for the Jews. And God says, I'll give you enough during this time period that if you will be obedient to my word, I'll give you enough food during this time period in your storehouses to last you through this terrible darkened winter that the pagans served their idol gods for. And that was the light season. That's why God tells the Gentile believers, you were light, but now you're darkness. Walk as children of light. You were darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Says that to Ephesians. So they were walking in the light, but when you get to the dark, which would be from here to here, the darkness of the sun, where they didn't have crops coming in, so from here to here, they didn't have crops coming in. So they, the pagans worshipped in the dark, and they had their festivals in the dark, and they had a festival for the dead crops, for the dead. And they gave titles and terminology to these dead, and they said that the dead would resurrect again in the spring. And they gave names of gods to these dead gods that killed their crops. They called the dead, they called the dead gods that killed their crops, Hades, Pluto, Styx. These are just some of the names of the evil gods that they said. They had the good gods that gave them the crops, gave them their crops. And their good gods was Hercules and Jupiter and Baal and all the rest of those male sun gods during the sun times. But God said, I'm not going to let you prosper during these times. Now, where did Easter come into this? The Franks had their form of worshiping their sun god. And the Franks would start on February the 7th. They'd get down here in February the 7th. And what they're doing, they're looking forward to the crops that come just 40 days later. 40 days later. So on February the 7th, this is the Franks. Or should I call them what they are? French. These are the French. And the French, France is a Roman Catholic state. You have in southern Louisiana, you have the Cajuns, which are French that were exported in the 1800s from Canada, the Frenchmen who had settled Canada, down to New Orleans. That's why everything down in Louisiana, instead of counties, They've got parishes. A parish is a place you go to a Catholic church and worship in Catholicism. 
So instead of counties, they've got parish. So everything is Roman Catholic leaning to that, especially in southern Louisiana. So what they had, they had a festival that went for seven days, just like the Feast of Saturn in Rome, seven days. And in the festival of Saturn, they had a king. They had a king of the Saturnalia. And this king got everything he wanted during that seven-day period. He had all the women he wanted, all the sex he wanted, all the food he wanted, anything he wanted. But at the end of the feast of Saturn, he had to commit suicide. The same thing happened with this seven-day feast of the French. And they had a seven-day feast from the 7th to the 14th. Now, the reason we always end up on the same day is because of their 360-day calendar. So on the 14th, that was called Fat Tuesday. Or the French word is Shrove Tuesday. Actually, the French word is Mardi Gras. Now, Mardi Gras was the beginning of the Easter festival because when they, the last day of, that was called the carnival, this seven-day festival was called the carnival. Carnival comes from carne, and veil. It means farewell to the flesh. That's because that seven day period they would party and have riotous sexual orgies just like they did at Rome. And they had every kind of just Women with women, men with men, women with animals, everything you can think of at these carnivals. In other words, the flesh is going to die. And then their God would die on the 14th, and they would start mourning for him for 40 days. And they that was a mourning for their God, Tammuz. And they mourned for Tammuz for 40 days. They started on the 15th. And you add 15 to the 5th. You add 40 to 15. And you come up with March 25th. March 25th was called the Day of Annunciation. Annunciation means there's an announcement to be made. That is because March the 25th, exactly nine months later, would be December the 25th, the birthday of their son God. And he had to be born again and again and again and again. That was what the Jews called trans. 
migration. We call it in our society reincarnation. That's where this comes from, reincarnation. Reincarnation or transmigration to the Jews. So he had to be born again and again and again and again every year. Well, the Roman Catholics brought that 40-day festival into the Roman Catholic Church and called it Lent. And you have to give up something for Lent. You have to fast from something when the true fast in Isaiah 58 chapter is about giving up self. That's the true fast. Well, they that 15th, which was on a Wednesday, the Roman Catholics brought that in the church the first day of their of their weeping for Tammuz for 40 days, they call that Ash Wednesday. And they would put ashes on their forehead. If you celebrate Easter, you have to be celebrating Ash Wednesday. And Lent, that's Catholic, Roman Catholic. So, and on March the 25th, that's when Ishtar or Easter would resurrect Tammuz from the dead. That was mythology. That was myth. So the the early Christians did not celebrate the resurrection of Jesus one day a year. They celebrated his resurrection every first day of the week because that's the day he rose from the dead. That's why we meet on Sunday. They didn't. Sunday was not a switch of the Sabbath to Sunday. He rose from the dead on the first day of the week. I can prove that with Scripture. I don't know if I have time to do that. How much time do I have, Mike? Fifteen. Boy, I'm not going to get through this. I'll come back Tuesday and do some more of this. Now, so that was Tammuz being resurrected from the dead on March the 25th. Well, let's go back over here to Ezekiel, the 8th chapter. Ezekiel is over in Babylon. He's over in Babylon. He's been carried captive. There were three deportations. There was... One in 605, one in 597-96. And that's the one that it's believed that Ezekiel was carried into captivity in Babylon. Then there was one in 586. That was the total destruction of, of Judah and Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar. 586 B.C. These are all B.C.'s. So he's over there in Babylon and tell and God is revealing here he's over here in Babylon. God is revealing to him what's going over here in Jerusalem, what God's going to do to Jerusalem and why he's going to do it. Look at Ezekiel the eighth chapter. Here's here is Easter right here. Eighth chapter of Ezekiel. I'm going to finish this up next Tuesday. 
I'm going to go back to my rhetoric subject on on uh, Saturday. Now, read with me here in the 8th chapter of Ezekiel. Look in verse 10. So I went in and saw, and behold, every form of creeping things and abominable beast, all the idols of the house of Israel, not pagans, not heathens. Israel has got all of these pagan idols upon their walls and in their towns. And there stood before them 70 men of the ancients of the house of Israel, and in the midst of them stood Jezaniah, the son of Shaphan, with every man his censer in his hand, and a thick cloud of incense went up. Then said he unto me, Son of man, hast thou seen what the ancients of the house of Israel do in those days? The priest, the princes of Israel, and the king, can you see what they're doing? Every man in the chambers of his imagery For they say, the Lord seeth us not. God doesn't know what we're doing. That's what the priests and the princes in Israel said. We're too small in this great scheme of things for God to know what we're doing. And over and over and over, Israel uttered these words in Psalms 10, in Jeremiah 23rd chapter. God doth not know. He doth not see. In the 91st Psalm, God doesn't know what we're doing. The Lord seeth us not. The Lord hath forsaken the earth. He don't know what's going on. People have said that in our day and time. God is dead. No, he's not. He said also unto me, Turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations that Israel does. Then he brought me to the door of the gate of the Lord's house, which was toward the north, and behold, There sat women weeping for Tammuz in Israel. That's that 40-day period that they brought into the Roman Catholic Church and called Lent. Then said he unto me, Hast thou seen this, O son of man? Turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations than this. And he brought me, this is the angel of the Lord, Gabriel, talking to Ezekiel. And he's showing Ezekiel what's going on in Israel over here while he's over here in in Babylon. you got to keep these prophets where they belong in Scripture. And he brought me into the inner court of the Lord's house Behold, at the door of the temple of the Lord, between the porch and the altar, were five and twenty men with their backs toward the temple of the Lord and their faces toward the east. And they worshipped the sun towards the east in the first sunrise service in the Bible. And Ezekiel sees these men standing in front of the door of the temple watching the sun come up in the east and the temple faced east and the backs were toward the temple just like this. And their backs, and they were right here between the altar 
and the porch, Solomon's porch, and they were standing right here. And they were facing the east. The temple faced east. The back of the temple was west, and here's north, and here's south. And they were facing the east, worshiping the sun in the only sunrise service that you will find in the Bible. Sunrise service is worshiping the sun. It has nothing to do with Jesus. My father used to have sunrise services in his church at Easter time. And had people coming out while it was dark so we could see the sun come up. Well, we wasn't watching the sun. He was in the church preaching. He didn't know nothing about this. Let's continue to read. And their faces toward the east, and they worshiped the sun toward the east. Then he said unto me, Hast thou seen this, O son of man? This is Gabriel talking to Ezekiel. Is it a light thing to the house of Judah, southern Israel, that they commit the abominations? Sunrise service in Easter is a stink to God's nostrils. For they have filled the land with violence, have returned to provoke me to anger, God is angry. That is at Easter. And lo, they put the branch to the nose. That is really a crude saying. When they went out into the woods to do their number two business, they wiped their bottom with a branch. God says, that's how Easter stinks to me. John MacArthur, you listening? I hope you are. Therefore will I also deal in fury. Mine eye shall not spare, neither will I have any pity on Israel. I'll slaughter Israel with the Babylonian king coming in. They cry in mine ears with a loud voice, yet will I not hear Israel any more. I forgot and left one verse out in Jeremiah 7. In Jeremiah 7, this is another account of the Queen of Heaven. In verse 16, God is telling Jeremiah, Therefore pray not for this people, neither lift up crying or prayer for them, neither make intercession to me, for I will not hear you, Jeremiah. When you pray for this people, Jeremiah was a preacher of judgment, not a preacher of conversion. I feel that's what I am. I feel like I'm a preacher of judgment. Because I know America's not going to convert. Seest thou not what they do in the cities of Judah? We're talking about southern Israel. And in the streets of Jerusalem, the children gather wood, the fathers kindle the fire, the women knead their dough to make cakes to the queen of heaven, and to pour out drink offerings unto other gods, that they may provoke me to anger. God says, I am angry at Easter and Christmas and all of these customs of the heathen. Then he goes on to say, 
Do they provoke me to anger, saith the Lord? Do they not? He's talking about Israel is making God angry for going after Christmas and Easter and all the rest of these things. Do they not provoke themselves to confusion of their faces? Therefore, saith the Lord God, Behold, mine anger and my fury shall be poured out upon this place in Jerusalem and in Judah. And my anger is going to come in the form of the king Nebuchadnezzar. He's going to slaughter Israel. Upon man, upon beast, and upon the trees of the field, and upon the fruit of the ground. And it shall burn, and it shall not be quenched. I've just barely gotten started in this paper on... Let me just read another paragraph. Do I have any time? Five minutes. Let me read another paragraph. These deities were said to die in the winter. The crops die in the winter. The Celtic end of the harvest was October the 31st. That's what they brought into the church and called Halloween. It's actually called Samhain, S-A-M-H-A-I-N. That's also the swastika. I can't, I never can get all this in. They called All Hallows Eve or Halloween. That was brought into the church by the Roman Catholics. Roman Roman Catholicism has got a stranglehold on America. And resurrect every spring. The celebration of the spring equinox, equal night, equal day, came at the season. It was not the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. It was the celebration or festival of the resurrection of the male sun gods in mythology who had brought nature and their crops back to them, like I said, back in that spring which they feared they had lost through the dead of winter. Let me give you a few illustrations of which there are many. James George Fraser's book, The Golden Bough, paraphrased, The God with whose death and resurrection we have chiefly concerned has been the tree God. But the custom of killing the God and his resurrection originated in hunting and pastoral stage of society when the slain god was an animal and survived in the agricultural stage. The slain god would be the corn to resurrect in the spring and summer. It's really simple. The corn dies and is resurrected in the spring. They thought it was evil gods that was doing that. So they served them. Easter, the goddess of spring, the goddess of vegetation, Perhaps the best proof that Adonis was a deity of vegetation and especially of corn is furnished by the gardens of Adonis as they are called. The, the various fertility gods were both male and female in different societies. At the festival of Adonis in Western Asia and Greek lands, the death of the god was annually mourned. At this annual festival, he was ceremonially thrown into the sea or springs and his revival was celebrated. That's why Tammuz, one of the father of the sun gods, was a sea god because he was thrown into the sea. 
In Sicily, gardens of Adonis are still sown in spring and summer. Syria celebrated of old a vernal festival of dead and rising God. Easter celebration of the dead and risen Christ was grafted upon a similar celebration of dead and risen Adonis, which, as we have seen, reason to believe, was celebrated in Syria at the same season. The pagan festivals of Adonis. Adonis was said to have been born near Bethlehem in a manger before Christ was. The sun god are the patterns that the Roman church used to pollute Christendom. Before the birth of Christ, the ancient Adonis was said to have been born of a virgin in a cave near Bethlehem, the Saturnalia Festival of Rome, December the 25th, the birthday of Mithra. If Adonis was a spirit of corn, and you even see these things in these in these scary movies, like the children of the corn, they're supposed to be a takeoff on this. A more suitable name for the dwelling place could hardly be found in Bethlehem, the house of bread. That's what Bethlehem means, house of bread. He was worshipped here long ages before the birth of him who said, I am the bread of life. That's Christ. Another of these gods of fertility whose supposed death and resurrection had deep roots in the faith and ritual of ancient Asia was Attis. A-T-T-I-S, was to Phrygia what Adonis was to Assyria. And A-T-T-I-S was one of the gods that was what was called Asia Minor. A-T-T-I-S, and sometimes it was spelled A-T-E-S, and A-T-E-S was the same word as the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's the word tree, A-T-E-S. This is all the worship of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I'm going to come back next week and I'm going to resume this on Ishtar or Easter. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your truth. I thank you for revealing this to us. I know there are preachers out there that just won't tell the truth. They haven't studied it enough. Lord, I've spent my life in this. You know that. I don't understand how man can be so ignorant and so proud of it. I pray you'll deal with people through this message. Crush us under your hand. Fight every battle we have. We don't want to fight anybody over the truth. Lead us to your elect family in Christ's name. Amen. I'm going to come back and resume that next Wednesday. That's a lot of stuff, isn't it? I just don't understand people like John MacArthur who don't want to listen. He's been one of the great disappointments in my life. MacArthur doesn't know it. He knows all about this. He just thinks it's okay to do it as long as you're doing it for Jesus. And Jesus don't want us to do that. 
He don't have nothing to do with it. And I can't teach Christmas without teaching Easter. Not completely. You can't preach one without preaching the other. So if these pastors are teaching... They're really teaching, they're teaching people to sin. That's what they're doing. Right? Huh? If they're teaching false doctrine, how can they be I don't know. believers? Well, that's like, does everybody that comes here, are they all mature enough to believe everything I'm saying? No. That's per, isn't that presumptuous of them huh? to continue to teach false doctrine? Well, you got to remember, the falling away is here. Only believers can fall away from the truth. I fell away. Haven't you? Yeah. I fell completely away, went out there and tried to get famous in the music business. And there's no, there's no spirituality in that at all. There's no daily cross or death to self in that. It's just nothing but insanity. Oh, I need to put that in here, I guess. How you doing, Tim?